Hello there, and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast again. My name is Terry, also again. And uh, the Toronto Animated Film Festival run by Taffy asked me to design their poster and signal film this year, which I just published on my Instagram yesterday. It's featuring a mix of stop motion and 2D and even 3D laser robots and cute little pom-poms being eaten by those robots. So go check it out. Today I'm chatting with an art book publisher from Germany and his name is Spiridon Gianakis. Spiri has worked in print media since 2006 but started his own freelance book publishing business in 2017. Since then he's published nearly two dozen art books featuring prominent illustrators like Jesper Ising, Alex Konstad, and Abigail Larson. He is also the chief editor of CGMA's magazine Nexus and a creative consultant for animation events like Playgrounds or Promise Land. In our chat, Spiri shares how to find that something special that makes your work stand out, how to market your work more effectively, and the ins and outs of art book publishing, which more illustrators and animators can definitely get into. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hi Spiri, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. Nice to meet good, you, Terry. Good, good. Thanks for coming on the chat. You know, I'm uh, excited to chat about everything publisher, art, illustration related, but maybe for those who, you know, are listening in and may not know who you are, can you just kind of ex- give me an overview of what what you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm always dreading this question because I'm I'm spread very thin on a large piece of bread, as a hobbit would say. It's like, I'm I'm doing a lot of things. I'm I'm publishing art books mainly. That's that's my main thing. I am also an agent to some artists. I'm uh, building community. I'm working together with people uh, that uh, launch events. I'm uh, putting them together with other creative people uh, with sponsors. Um, it's 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 a lot. But essentially, you could say I'm a publisher and networker. Okay, interesting. Is this what you kind of, you know, you've pursued a creative kind of path for a while now. Is this what you intentionally got yourself into? Or you have, have you followed, you know, where opportunities have led you to, to, to get into this publishing place? I think, I think I would say um, that the whole aspect of designing and publishing books is something that I pursued when everything else is essentially collateral damage. Like, when you, it, it, it started with me, um, like the network part started with me doing a magazine that was highlighting events uh, around the globe uh, for creative people. And when you do that, you can't get around meeting a lot of people and, and know what they do. And I have a pretty good memory when it comes to names and faces. So I would never forget anyone like like this. This literally never never really happened to me before. Um, when I meet you and I talk to you and I can put your name and your face together, I will never forget you. And that's for networking. That's just great. So yeah. I was able, yeah, I was able to put a lot of people together, and then I would come back like a year later, and and great stuff would happen. And it, wow. it's 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 like an addiction. At some point, you just uh, like to to play. Um, uh, matchmaker and then you see what happens okay weird question does this transfer over zoom calls as well this uh you know uh can't forget a face type of thing yeah 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 that's uh, so there's a little story there was this this girl that i met when i was uh just starting with school i was seven year years old and i met her the first time and she had a little sister and the sister at the time was three years old and i met her again when i was about 19 and i recognized her uh, because she was suddenly my class 
And it's wow. like when I, when there are specific things about your face that make you special in some way, like if there's something that stands out, then I will never forget you. That's just how it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. That's uh, I, I don't know if I can say the same. I have the opposite problem where I meet people and they're like, hi, Terry, how you been? And I'm like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was this thing that that a friend, his name is Banks, um, he told me that a really cool way to do that, if you don't have that freakish memory of mine, is to always repeat the name of the person that just um, introduced themselves to you. Like you shake the hand, the hand yeah. and you're like, Terry, hi, nice to meet you. Right. Okay. So if, if you do that, there is already an interaction and you repeated it and you confirm it. So it's much easier for you, for your head. To I'm going to try that next time. It makes sense to repeat the name back to the person who just introduced me. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So how did you, okay. So you, you started uh, putting together this magazine on creative events around the world, which led you to yeah. meet a lot of people. And then you realized yeah. an opportunity to start turning this into a publishing business for yourself. It actually started the other way around. So oh. um I was working for a publisher for around eight years and we uh, mostly created like touristic media and it was like uh, books about hiking because the area where I'm from in Germany is really popular for hikers. It's along the Rhine River and the Mosel River and a lot of wine drinking and hiking and watching castles like we have a lot of them here. Um, and I must say I wasn't really a fan of, of that. I mean, it was easy work and it paid the bills and yeah. it was just me doing this, right? But um I, um, my, my son was born in, in 2012 and I hardly saw him. Like, uh, I was just working a lot and I saw him in the morning and then late, uh, when I put him to bed and, uh, eventually I was like, this is not, not working for me. And after eight years, I quit the job and I became a freelancer. I was working towards that a couple of months earlier. Uh, and with this freelance business, I started doing uh, graphic design jobs like logo design and all that um, uh, from scratch and also brochures, but mostly print. Right. Yeah. And um, and I had more time with my with my kid in 2013 in October. I, I uh, went full freelance and I also did like illustrations for people, uh, some of them being published. But I wasn't really a good illustrator, I must say, like I'm seeing this with a really I'm not doing this imposter thing. Like I was really not going anywhere. It was absolutely mediocre, um, but it, it it worked. It paid the bills. And um, the thing is that with my passion for art, I had the opportunity to meet a lot of people that also had that. And then eventually I met this guy. Um, his name was uh, Evan Mill Amundsen, who is a um, quite known illustrator uh, and, and concept artist from uh, Norway and he made this thing where he was drawing uh, and writing a story with a character like um, one one day every, uh, for a whole year and I told him this has to be a book and he was like oh I was just putting them out there for free and I was going to make an, a pdf and I was absolutely ranting I was telling him like if you do that I'm, I'm going to fucking kill you and he was like all right all right and so we did a book in 2017 and that kind of kicked it off. Um, I started making making art books after that. Um, it has uh, my my thing has become to do crowdfunding campaigns over over Kickstarter, and it has been uh, quite successful. Like my my campaigns uh, are usually always funded and always over the goal. And uh, it turns out that um, I have a hand for uh, picking the right artists um, for making a book with them. 
that people want to have because I'm kind of specializing myself into making collector's editions, like books that yeah. stand out. I'm wondering, <clears throat> you know, when you 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 created your first book based on that artist's work, how did you yeah. have an audience for it to, you know, because publishing is very expensive in, in print media. So how did you justify putting it together when maybe you didn't have the biggest audience? Did you just have faith in yourself that you could sell it? Well, it wasn't my audience. It was the artist's. <laughs> well, like <laughs> the artist had the artist. Uh, okay so so you convince yeah. this artist like let's put this together and sell it to your yeah. audience okay uh, there, was, there wasn't there was actually there wasn't much convincing like of course it sounded like like a gun to his head but of course it, it for him it sounded like a good idea and uh the rest of the like the books from Evan Amundsen were three overall uh and these were essentially just done over pre-order right yeah. like they were just pre-ordering over a store and I partnered up with a with a with a publisher uh called Edition Corette I met Jean-Christophe Corette at an event called uh, Trojan Horse Was a Unicorn, uh, which is is a quite known mm. uh, event for uh, concept artists, illustrators, and other creative people. And I met him there, and he was like, well, what you do is great. I can help you do what you do better. And essentially, they took over the distribution. So what I could focus on was exactly what I loved. I could combine what my job with my passion for art, keep making art books, designing them, uh, putting them on Kickstarter and people were going there. And by now, uh, this thing happened where with all these artists that I worked before, uh, people started to know me. And now when I publish an art book, it can be an artist who is not as known yeah. and the book will still be a success, which is was always my goal. Yeah, I was interested because, you know, using artists that are very popular already that have audiences makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I was wondering about whether you take artists who may who may be super talented and make beautiful work, but they don't yeah. have a super big audience. So I guess that answers the question. It's it's different because that's something that a lot of artists, specifically artists, no matter if in animation or concept art or illustration, they always confuse this thing about having followers because followers don't really mean that you have buyers. There's a yeah. discrepancy there. It's not like you will always have, like I have I have had campaigns that performed just as well with an artist that had over 100,000 followers as one that had 10 or 15,000. Hmm. And that it, it doesn't really mean much. It just means what kind of art is it? when do you put the campaign on because if you, you do it during a time where people have to have to pay their taxes or something then obviously this is not going well and there's there's a huge learning curve when it comes to that but generally speaking it really just matters who is following you and who wants to put the money on what you're doing makes sense i never considered that uh there's a better time of year for a kickstarter campaign or whatnot is yes. it like yes, in the middle is. of is it like summer or something <laughs> No, summer is where everybody is on vacation. Why would they? They don't want to. Yeah, summer? they're not looking at it. So maybe it's the dreary winter months before or after taxes. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would say the best time is usually like late spring and early mm. autumn. Like okay. these these times when people either I don't know come back from their holidays or or uh, right before they go into their holidays, right, um, is a good time to start a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Interesting. I think it's I think it's really cool that you kind of learn you, you use, you know, your past experiences and this ability to network and your love of art and put it all together to create and, and design these art books that you now sell. So this is this is like how many how many do you do a year? Uh so this is different 
um like there's not always a fixed number i now do less because i'm heavily overworked and i just can't keep going like that <laughs> but last year like this oh, last year this year actually my last campaign just ended and i had to cancel a one that was supposed to come out in december if i would have kept that i would have made six campaigns mm. and i would have put out in uh, like like because i also take um i also take like freelance gigs where i'm just designing the books Overall, it would have been like 12 books, like essentially oh, a book wow. per month, which is oh it, it, next to everything else that I'm doing. It was just a lot. So um, I know that the sweet spot now is doing four campaigns every year. Yeah. Would you ever consider turning yourself into a publishing company like, uh, you know, having a team and, you know, running maybe like 20 campaigns a year? Yeah, no, so that's, it's not that easy. So obviously, if I'm doing multiple campaigns over one account, then it would have to be in, um, it would have to fit the 30 day maximum. And that would mean that I can only make one every month. Um, and also Kickstarter is actually um, prohibiting people to make another campaign before they launch, like uh, before the other one is fulfilled. But they also have like the specific status that they gave to to me and a couple of others, which is essentially something like a super creator, where you have a couple of more that you can do. Um, but other than than these these funny details, I don't think I ever want to make a campaign every month because yeah. it's too much. And the other thing is, I get this question a lot, to be honest. Like a, a lot of people ask me, like, don't you want to go legit and just do everything yourself? And then I'm like, well, then I can't do what I love. All right, the, if I have to manage people, make sure that the shipments arrive, uh, take care of the taxes and of, of the business in general, right? And not work just as a freelancer, as a freelance publisher, I would say. Then um, I wouldn't just help people to to self-publish essentially, to just, just do this thing and make it in the way that they want to. I would be I would be this, this person that is helping me right now, right? I couldn't keep doing it in the way that I'm doing it now. So no, I don't really want to do that right now. Gotcha. I'm thinking about it often because it will mean full control, but it will also mean all the work. Yeah, I'm wondering. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like it's a it's a fine balance between finding something that you really love and continuing as long as you can yeah. to do it while also trying to, you know, grow and make money and stay relevant without, you know, pushing yourself too big where you're just handling the business side of things and then you're just yeah. you're not doing what you love anymore. Are there a lot of people that you see kind of doing this similar thing as you with uh, books specifically? <clears throat> so you don't get rich with art books. So this is, you, you have to be someone who really loves this. Yeah. Like, I don't know a single person that got rich with an art book or with art books, plural. Like, I don't know anyone, uh, maybe Tasha, right? Like if we go to the big uh, ones that are doing books with Hans Rudi Giger, and uh, about Muhammad Ali and all these photo books with uh, Anna Leibovitz and all that. Obviously, yes, of course, you can become a millionaire doing art books if you're going that direction. But if you're in most people who do art books that are not Dark Horse or Titan or Tor or, yeah. or, or Tashin are people like me. And yes, there are there are a few. Uh, there's uh, John Fleskis. Um, there's John uh, Shindehete, uh with, with Art Order. There is... Um, there, there are there are a few. Okay, okay. There's also the like like I mean there are the, the spectrum books right, um, which are a, a collection, and there are old subscription models also that still are done. 
um, where people have to pay to get a chance to be in a collective art book and then they get picked by a jury and all that. And this is, this is all stuff that worked well uh, before crowdfunding. But I feel like crowdfunding has made such models obsolete yeah. um, or the prestige behind it. I like doing... Um, I liked doing uh, collective art books with people. Uh, with the last one that I made, it was just absolutely... Um, I was heavily overworked with that. I worked three years on it and it was really... It was a lot, um, oh my goodness. but it's but it's the best book I've ever made. I'm gonna Amazing. I'm gonna say that like, like it's it's really it came out exactly how I wanted it to be, and um, and that tells me like you might like doing this right. You might do it for the right reasons and all that, but you really have to just to just have this thing that keeps you going with doing yeah. it because you're not getting rich. It's not happening. So you're consciously not getting rich. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've gotten these questions, right? Like, couldn't you yeah, do yeah, something that makes more money on that? And I, I understand that. I'm, I'm actually, I'm crazy enough to start uh, my own agency um, uh, early next year. I'm putting things together. I want to to help artists getting um, getting more jobs, and um, I want to represent them properly because for people they were like. We were told that they were like, aren't you already doing that? <laughs> it's like, no, uh, right now I'm not charging for that. And they're like, yeah, you should you should actually charge if you're good at something. Like, yeah. you should do that. That makes a lot of sense. Now, um, now I'm trying to do it. Yeah, I have, I have a bunch of questions about that too. But I want to talk a little bit about how you find artists and what makes work stand out for them to be in an art book like you mentioned you're not too mm -hmm. concerned about the amount of followers they have but i'm assuming it's at some point you've developed kind of an audience that just that just looks forward to the next art book your book you're putting out that's curated with a bunch of artists so like what is it that you look for you know i know you've done some like you know 18 plus stuff you've done fantasy stuff blah 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 yeah. so how do you determine whether ABC artists like Terry versus like somebody who does amazing, crazy graphic work gets into your art book. Um, I I don't know. Um, <laughs> if I tell I, you, I just pick the artist that I like. Then it's so are you just scrolling through Instagram or like ArtStation or something? And yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all of that, right? It's meeting them and finding like I I would just rather work with someone like like studios. I would rather work with someone who is maybe not as good as the other one, but they're approachable and nice. Yeah. Instead of working with a dick that is super talented, right. like nobody wants that. So. I'm always trying to find artists that also put the pro the project first. Um, like I told you, my 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 drive is not financial. I'm 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 trying to make a book that is standing out with material and and with quality, and that usually is expensive. And that means that usually there is also not much money that is left. And if an artist is trying to do this with the the within in his mind with a with a motivation to make money then we're not a good match that's, gotcha. that's usually what i have to find out uh and i have to um i have to like the work i have to to know the person at least at least a little and um it's not like a formula there but i like right. the consistency in someone's work you know like this is what i liked about evan like Evan did this project with doing this and and creating this whole universe that he that he created like a whole story building thing that he did, 
And I found that very exciting. And these things always draw me draw me to them. And also, for example, I don't do fan art. Um, mm. I know there are a lot of people who do like art books with with um, with fan art in it or want to work with them because it's it's what these artists do. It's totally fine if they want to do that. It's totally fine uh, if they find someone who wants to publish that. I don't. I want to have something original. I want. I like the. I like the artist for what they're doing. And right. Not for so I'm wondering. You know, with social media and posting art, basically everybody is mm. posting art constantly all the time, every day. Like probably a million pieces are uploaded a day. Is there a bar yeah. that you're looking for that to surpass that? You know, will get your attention. Because, you not, know, there's I'm, there's a lot no, of concept artists out there that create, um, you know, yeah. not finished pieces of work, but it's like great mm -hmm. in concept. Or there's a lot of, you know, hyper-realistic artists that will take something to the nth degree, but it's like maybe just, I don't know, a hand holding something. So like, you know, what is, what is it that makes something special to you that deserves to be in an art book that you know somebody's going to pay for? I think that it's really important that, that at least there are some finished pieces, right? Like you cannot really market something that is entirely just a concept of a concept of a concept or just photo bashing or something, right? Like this, it's not working like that. Um, but this is why illustration always works well because usually the the idea is already transferred with it, even if it's just a sketch. And then the, the artist tried to communicate something. Of course, you can do that also with photo bashing, but there you have the, the, the issues with it not looking like, like, a, Let's let's put it like that. If it's a photo bashed thing, right? If it's just a concept, then that's interesting for other concept artists, but not for a consumer who likes art. Um, I'm not even starting to go in the direction of discussing AI art or where this right. is taking us and all that, right? Because uh, this is just uh, this is an even worse cesspool than than Twitter. But in the <laughs> end, it's like uh, what what I'm what I'm trying to say is that there has to be some originality with what you're doing, and then you can have a book. Like without originality, in my opinion, then you, then you can just stay on social media. Gotcha. Like even even a sketchbook has to have like ideas and what makes the 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 what is the spark? Like if I could if I could actually like put it into words, what makes it special? Then it, it's like how how like like people trying for for so such a long time for for thousands of years to describe what love is. Yeah. And I feel like this spark that makes something special and stand out to me personally is just as heavy to describe. I really can't put a put a word. So there. so the last artist that you put into a book, you know, what made their art stand out to you? So the last artist I worked with was an artist I already made a book with, and that was Alex Konstadt. And the uh, the work of Alex Konstadt stands out specifically because he is very original. Like what Alex is doing, I feel like nobody else can do. It is, it is the the because he can pull off the monsters. He can also do the robots. He can also do cute stuff. Like he can do everything. But yeah, um, his 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 designs they don't for to me they don't look like they are inspired by something I know. You know what I mean? Like yeah, does, yeah, does yeah, this yeah. make sense? I've I'm, yeah. I looked him up. I'm, I've actually seen a lot of his artwork before because of that specific. You know, you look at it and you're just like, wow, uh, I never thought of this. I was never going to think of this. Yeah. And how did this person think of this? And then also, how did this person have this much skill to put it yes. into, uh, you know, make it into art? That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's okay, original. so that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to describe as well, you know, when you're when you're yeah. um, 
you just have to see it. So, okay. So say I'm, say I'm an artist, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working away. I'm trying my best. I've got a huge amount of work. I'm improving. I really want to, you know, do something with it, turn it into an art book, get it published with somebody like you. How do I go about starting a conversation or what is the step that I need to do to even, you know, approach or the, getting published? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that just putting stuff out there on social media and hoping beyond hope that somebody just happens to stumble across them and wants to work with them versus, you know, taking the effort to actually put yourself out there in a uh, written on paper way and say, Hey, you know, let's have a connection. Let's build a relationship. So like, what is, say I'm an artist right now and I want to, I know my art is good. I have the spark. How do I Mm -hmm. get to the point of working with somebody like you? I think that most people like me um, are approaching the artists and they're picking them. Of course, they are also approached by others, but I don't know what they, what makes them tick in a way that they want to work with them. Um, in in the past, I have often been the one who approached the artist. Yeah. By now, this wasn't the case anymore. I'm I'm booked out for the next years. It's it's a lot of work, but I must say, and I'm that's that's why I'm mentioning this. There is always an artist where you feel like I want, I want that one, and yeah. I'm willing to shove things around. Yeah, and what the artists usually have when they do that is not only the 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 guts to approach someone and say that because that already with a lot of introverts in the in the community is a is a tough thing, but I like it when the artists weren't waiting for me. Like what is really cool is where they're like. I'm just going to make a book myself. Yeah. Right. Because then they know that this is that what they got is is real and they have a certain confidence. And I find that always really, really, I don't know, it's more approachable to me. Right. So people have a lot of respect for, for art books and for books in general or for sketchbooks or whatever. And I'm like, it's just a collection of glued prints. Yeah. Like it, this is what it is. And you can make it special. You can put, throw a lot of money into it. You can, you can print a book for two thousand or for two hundred thousand. It's not important, right? Like you can use all kinds of special materials. But if you understood that your the, the medium that you want to be seen it is a book, then you, that's a plus one. So I would yeah. urge every artist to at least try it. Makes sense. Yeah, it's. I mean, I published a book with my own art based on my own stuff yeah. once, and it was a lot of work, but uh, it wasn't that hard to, you know, format things and then work with a publisher yeah. and get quotes. Yeah, and then set up a little online store and sell it. It wasn't that crazy after it was. But it's, it's not done. only that. Like you, you for example, know and already have this situation, right? Like you already figured out. So this is what has to be done, and I would have to take the next steps to get this out there, and blah blah. When I talk to you about making a book with you, you already know yeah. that what I'm doing is not just bullshit. You know that it's a lot of work. You know that there is a certain amount of of things, of, of skills or of connections that you need to pull this off. And that already will make me look different in your eyes and will make our uh, our collaboration much easier, right? Totally, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have a mutual respect for the situation, right? So again, this, this, this plus one also makes... What the first point that I was mentioning, right, about working with someone that is not a dick, but who just knows that this is a collaboration and this is for the product. You understood this now. You already tried. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And it it probably builds way better partnerships than first time artists who have never done it before. Oh, yeah. 
where Alex you're you know pounding them for files and they expect yeah. different things and stuff like that um exactly. alex alex has tried this alex has tried making his, his books and he sold them already and all that and when he saw how these thing, things were going and everything then he was surprised he understood it yeah so tell me a little bit more about becoming an agent for artists uh so yeah. you said you're already making connections and then somebody was like why aren't you getting paid and then you realize that you could get paid and you want to help artists make better deals how do you uh so where are you at right now with that because i'm there's a lot of legal work in that involved as well and paperwork and you know just understanding rights and what can be asked for and all that stuff like i've gone through my fair share of contracts myself and each one is crazy different <laughs> it's um so i started doing this with evan with the with the uh with the gentleman that i did the the books and, and we've become close friends yeah, over yeah. the years and i recently um uh, essentially signed another artist whose name is dominic maya and um with him i have this 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 connection where i'm essentially take trying to take care of his affairs of his email and everything keep everything away so he can keep creating oh wow um, so you're taking over his email and everything yes and um also what i'm trying to establish is also with this agency is also to to create a place where everybody who's working with me which are like a lot of the artists that i've been publishing with in the past um are teaming up with me to create a place where they can sell prints and merchandise and all these things right and um it's also about building like this this small community but the ultimate goal behind it is to what i'm what, what i was doing with what i was doing with um my art books what i always wanted to do is that people essentially buy a book because they trust my judgment that the art is good because they yeah. know this guy doesn't have to have a million followers to be a really good artist. And maybe it's somebody you never heard of before, but because he is in a series of art books or because he worked with me or anything, then that means something. So what I like to do is to work with people who have a big name and then have others who don't, but have the skills and elevate them to that level. What I don't like is rockstar status. I have a huge issue with that. This is, in my opinion, a big problem uh, in the industry in the community about idolizing people for more than their professionality and I mean, someone can be a nice person but i think at some point it got it, it's gotten just weird it has gotten about more than just respect for the work and this this kind of integrity that is necessary and um i would love to somehow make it possible that it goes I wouldn't say even back, but I would just like to get rid of this rockstar status bullshit because it's making me fucking sick. <laughs> okay, so yeah. with your with your agency, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're ever going to get rid of that. There's always going to be tons of fans for super popular artists, blah blah. blah. So, but with your agency, you're, try <laughs> you're trying to create a space where you know people work with you because they trust that you uh you know you're working with amazing artists and you're trying your best to make really fair deals and whatnot yeah. so like uh do you handle you know their contracts and getting yes. them new opportunities and yes. so so what is that what what is like do you need to have a legal background to handle the contracts or is this just from experience of looking at enough contracts and knowing what to ask for for instance I should have a legal background because this is an absolute bitch. I try to read myself into, yeah, like try to understand the laws of every country that you can 
possibly yeah. hire an yeah. artist in. Like, it's, I don't it's even know if you can need, use a legal background no. at that point. <laughs> no, I have, I, I have, I have lawyers behind me, and I have uh, like an accountant behind me, and I have uh, the experience of the combined force of all these artists that work with me. And whenever there's a problem, these these things can be discussed. And uh, I'm reading a lot and um, I'm trying to find people who can do this better than I. And I've found a couple. So obviously with, with starting something like a company, a lot of things come into play, which are new to me. I mean, I wouldn't say I've never been a team player, but I certainly have never been a boss, even though people sometimes call me that and I find it weird. But I, I mean, I've, I've like, I've managed people before. Right. So I've, I've, I've told them before, like when you're doing this magazine, for example, then I was like, hey, you got to read that text and maybe you have to find me something for this and that. This happened before, but actually having people that are employed under you in a company, I've never have done that. So mm -hmm. I'm still figuring out these quirks. I'm not even sure if I would, if I should be someone who's telling people what to do about that because I haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure you'll cross that path at some point. So how are you finding yeah. opportunities for these the, you, do you only sign illustrators? You're going to sign, you know, anybody within kind of the space. So I'm const I'm I'm usually working more with 2D people than 3D people, but I'm not excluding them. And yeah. uh, it's it's mostly illustrators and concept artists because sometimes these these folks do both. Um, and uh, that's that's what I've been working with the most because obviously with the publishing business, uh, 2D art is just something that is marketing in in a space that I understand. Um. So how do you find the opportunities by knowing yeah. these companies that gotcha. they, that they like, like I have, I have connections to all these studios and uh, these studios, they, they talk to me and they like to uh, find out um, what I think about a certain person, because again, they like to work more with a person that, uh, that is really nice to work with and they trust my experience in that. And essentially they're like, Hey, so uh, we need someone for this and this. And I'm like, all right, you should work with this guy because he's super nice. And they're like, all right, we're going to hire him. And that's it. Great. And they go through you and then uh, you have a roster yeah. of your building. That's amazing. I think it's very interesting that you've used your networking skills to in such an interesting way in this industry, you know, you love the, for the your love for art and then networking just mm -hmm. naturally plays into, you know, creating books and and spaces you're also um you know creating an artist community on i think it's on discord is that right yeah but how I is mean, that going i think i think this this has been misunderstood in the past because there are people coming there and they're like hey where can i post my art and i'm like nowhere um <laughs> this is not we're actually just talking about art books <laughs> we are really bad for each other we are um encouraging other people to buy a book that we found somewhere and then people just spent money and since then we were all broke but the thing is because there are so many other servers that have this this uh, artist let's talk right like there's this um i mean lightbox expo is doing that for example and they have a lot of people there and they do these challenges and all that and they do all that much better and i'm always for 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 like if someone got their niche and they figured out how these works, then let them do that. I will just do something different. And I'm, yeah. I'm really specializing my, my server about everything when it comes to print merchandise and, uh, and art books. That's all. Interesting. Thing. Okay. So it's like a yeah. highly niche uh, information sharing when it comes to, when it comes to yeah. art books. It's, okay. Okay. it's 1,500 people. Most <clears throat> of them are lurkers. Like it is on, on, on discord. Most people are quiet and everything, but 
it's it's a really it's it, for me it's perfect because these people uh, that I've gotten to know uh, over, over this time uh, they they've become they've become friends and we we exchange what what we love right like we talk about oh I got this book and it's great and actually uh, or someone sells some pieces of their collection and then we're like hey I'm the buyer right so these things yeah. are really all about that but I've recently started building this other thing which is uh, called a drink and draw Europe which is like a collaboration between all kinds of drink and draw clubs around the around the uh, around Europe by for now but I'm not really thinking that I'm going international with that but what I try to do is build a hub for all these different drink and draw clubs so they can when when we have these digital nomads that they're moving uh, now from uh, Prague they want to work in Berlin or something they will find out oh my god drink and draw Berlin there's actually a haven for me when I arrive and I can meet like-minded people and then they find this out because they are on this yeah. discord server and yay that makes a lot of sense I never thought of uh because when you're when you're an artist and you move to a new country it's it's very like there are conferences and things you can go to but they happen like once a year twice a year it's yes. very hard to meet other you know artists or illustrators or animators mm -hmm. or whatnot so drink and draws that makes a lot of sense actually i yeah. think that's interesting um you also you also do the whole conference uh circuit you yeah. know are, are you speaking like when you I've, i haven't been to a conference where you've spoken at what do you what is the topic you usually speak on so mostly it's about so I, with a with a magazine that I've made it was um, the magazine that I published was called Firestarter and this one was given out for free at uh, participating events. I was highlighting at the end of like twenty five events I think, and um, I was doing panels that were essentially like these Firestarter panels, right? And I had like all these artists in the front, and they were talking about networking, and there yeah. was a panel about mental health. And there was a panel about uh, whatever, right? Like mostly it was networking, mental health and, and stuff like that. It's usually the bit of out of the box thing that more um, more baseline stuff than just the how do we use Blender or something like that. I wouldn't go in that direction because I find it interesting when we have a panel that you discuss about things that are interesting for everybody. And that's what I also try in my talks. But uh, lately I've very much focused on talking about publishing. Gotcha. That makes sense. I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned mental health a couple of times. What are some of the highlights yeah. of, um, you know, what you share on that? And I also know you you ran a podcast during the pandemic on this as well. Highlights. Um, I don't, maybe highlights is a wrong word, but, you know, what are the what like, how do you approach the subject with artists in this space? What have you learned from from that? Well, front. I, I think the easiest way to talk about these things is is. Like in a conversation where you where you discuss things and you bring something up from yourself, then people feel more encouraged to open up themselves as well. Um, for me, I've done a couple of these these panels, right? And they were mostly hosted by um by by different people, and and these hosts were all great. And I was always sitting in the in the um in the audience. And now that the that I don't run the magazine anymore, I'm still doing these panels, but I'm 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 doing the, the hosting part. But before I did that, like when I was still in the audience, I would have I would have seen a couple of these panels that I put together. And in one panel there was one guy who said one thing that vibed with me so much that I knew I have to get therapy. Like if people don't talk about it, then you don't know that this is a thing. Like if, like like if if like let's say, let's say migraine. 
right? If people would just keep calling it headache, or if people wouldn't would just keep it for themselves, then you would never know that this what you have is essentially something that can be diagnosed. And I feel like with mental health, it has become the same. Like now, I'm I'm I grew up in Germany, and I'm a, a son of Greek immigrants. Uh, we don't talk about mental health at all. Like our mental health in in Greece is screaming at each other in the family, and then we just love each other again after that. And in Germany, it's even worse. In Germany, it's just like suck it up. And the problem in in this country has always been that mental health has been uh has been a topic that wasn't talked about because because you were crazy if you had that right yeah and then and then when when people started opening up and talking about it i, I was first like oh my god this is a trend everybody's just like oh and this and this and then essentially what happened was that i understood because so many kept talking about it and more people kept talking about it that i trusted and that i respected i was like all right so maybe this is not a trend but it's just that people start talking about it now and this yeah, is why it yeah. has become more normal. And that ever since I realized that, I don't shut up about it anymore. <laughs> I I tell people that I'm on medication. I tell people that I suffer depression. I tell people that that trauma is a bitch. And I tell people that there's a thing as PTSD. And then you 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 suffer and you suffer. And one way to deal with it is to open up and talk about it. And the only way to do that is full front. Totally, yeah. Um, I mean, I value that a lot. There's <clears throat> there's things I've dealt with that I've dealt with for years until I started talking about them with family members yeah. and friends that I trusted. And then suddenly an open conversation helps you see it in different light and accept it a little bit more. And even though, you know, may not go away, you mm -hmm. release, or at least I release all this, you know, kind of pressure of just keeping it inside that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have to feel anymore. So I definitely agree with that. And yeah, you know, so so was this was it something that that had influence also on your work? Um, not so much my work. It was more of my daily my daily life. You know, I've been through my own <clears throat> uh, amount of trials and tribulations with my family, and uh, you know, yeah. uh, coming out when I was in my mid twenties, and yeah. all this, and being in a long term relationship, and all this stuff. So, you know, um, I, I probably I, I'm sure it did affect my work to some degree at a subconscious level or the things that I was creating were kind of indicative of how I felt about the world, I think. Um, but I haven't, I haven't seen a big change in the things I like creating over time, if that makes sense. I still kind of keep to the same style and the same topics. Have you noticed that um, you've changed, you know, I, I know you don't do super graphic design anymore, but what you curate and whatnot in your arts? No, my 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 job is very much still graphic design, and I would uh, I would I would rather end it all before I start giving away like this this thing because I love creating the books. It's my yeah. thing. I think I've met a lot of artists in the past where the work on mental health and on work life balance, which is affected by that, has made them a better worker too. Like these these things are just interconnected with each other. All these things are interconnected, and as soon as you figure out that. You're more in balance with yourself, and if you you talk about your problems, not it's not just about like telling that to everybody who never asked you. Like I'm not saying that this is that's bullshit. No, don't just run around and say I'm depressed. By the way, I'm depressed, and this is this is not what I'm talking about. Talk talk about it with people that mean something to you, and yeah. But also also figure out that it's okay to talk about it because if you would tell someone that your leg is broken, you could also 
talk about that because it's it's just as valid. What I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is though, I think that working on yourself um, and talking about it in the in an industry also raises the awareness of people who employ you that it's important that people are in balance with what they do. Maybe it also started the the discussion that was more serious about uh, studios stopping doing the crunch, right? And or or um, in, not even just crunch, just like having people being overworked in general. Totally, yeah. All well, that you, is connected to mental health. All of it. Yeah, it makes a, it makes a ton of sense. You know, burnout in this industry is a huge thing. Yes. Um, and what you just said with you know overworking, I feel like there was, and still there's a fear when I talk to some of my uh, you know <clears throat> former classmates in their first job and whatnot. There's still a fear of. You know, I have to work overtime. I have to do extra just to impress my new bosses or fit in or learn or whatnot. And I think it's I think it's fine if you're approaching it from a, I'm excited to learn and I'm you know, this is an opportunity for me. But I don't think it's fine when you're, you know, crunching at 10 p.m. on a Saturday just because you're yes. afraid and you're not talking about it and <laughs> nobody else is talking yeah. about it. You think it's normal. And then yeah. unfortunately, I know some older uh, people in the industry who purport that uh culture because it was how it was when they were young so it has to be you know it's almost looked down on if you don't take that overtime which is unfortunate so i think in that case yeah talking about it is is one step and you know in canada we have we finally have one unionized animation studio which is great you know in the states things are different but yeah yeah i think it's i think it's opening a conversations about this and talking with more people from around the world in different industries and different experiences and just becoming more knowledgeable about things I think is is great and talking about them for sure yeah there are yeah there are there are there are also examples of you know unfortunately I feel like there's still this stigma of like if you, there's people who will talk about this and be champions of it and then they're almost looked down upon as they're always just harping about you know mental health and all these things so I think everybody needs to talk about this more. So it's not a couple people, you know, continuously pushing that and then being seen as the bad guys. <laughs> I think we're past that. I feel like at this point we are past that because whenever we are having these these panels or these conversations, people mm. would always say these were the highlights of the events. And mm. and I don't think that the people that run the events can ignore that. I don't, yeah. and I, I'd also think that a lot of people employing people can't ignore that anymore it has become a big topic and i think it will only grow and eventually people will just realize that it's just as important as uh, like like they, they it's a, just like a paycheck right like it's yeah. it's gonna keep you happy obviously because you get rewarded but at the same time uh as a as a as an employer you can just show that this is important to you you want people to be fine yeah, I wonder, you're just having me think about, you know, how kind of the pandemic opened up, uh, you know, doors for a lot of opportunities internationally. I wonder, and a lot of studios I've talked to are taking such a hybrid approach now that they're kind of scaling up and hiring international artists and then scaling down. I wonder if the studios that, you know, uh, see mental health as a as a positive thing and a balance end up being attracting and retaining their work better because people can move around so easily and the power is actually yes. moving more to the artists. I mean, I would really like to see that happen too. So yes, yeah, I think it's I, a, I believe I it already good, happens. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, you know, well, Spiri, we've we've chatted about you know your publishing career, how you find artists, uh, you know what artists can do to get noticed or and make their own books. 
yeah. you've gone to conferences, you're creating an agency and, and mental health. You know, is there any subject that we didn't touch on that you wanted to share with those <laughs> listening? <laughs> I don't know. My, my socks are something. I think we talked about everything. I think uh, everything. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure. It, I mean, so so these conversations, these these mental health topics, they can go on and on and about telling artists how to stay true to themselves and just keep going and eventually something will happen and doing the pep talk. Also, that can go on and on. I'm not sure where you see the value because I must say I'm in the really I'm in this really nice position where I find everything that I'm doing relevant for myself. That's I'm great. not sure how relevant I'm not sure how relevant it is for other people because I'm not living their life, but um it's this it's this thing where you where something has become so normal uh and you felt feel so comfortable about it that you don't know if it is something special for other people. So if you want to ask ask away. <laughs> Um, actually, what you said is really interesting to me. You said everything you're doing right now in your life is relevant to you. I'm wondering, yeah. that sounds like a great state to be in. I'm wondering, what is your, you know, you kind of like your personal philosophy or motivations that have ended you up in this place? Because you could have taken a lot of different paths and end up somewhere else, but to end up in a place where everything is kind of relevant to you sounds amazing. So I, when you I make that... hard decisions, how do you, yeah. you know, navigate? I think... Um that uh, there are always these key moments in your life which sounds which sounds absolutely fucking cheesy but it's really like that it's, it's true like, though whenever you have been in like an, in a specific top spot and maybe someone said something smart to you and this just becomes this thing that you keep doing where where my, a friend of mine told me if it was easy everybody would do it and that just showed me that uh what i'm doing is i like the challenge i like i like the positive stress i like to yeah. to to work not only a lot on my projects but also on myself and uh as long as i have that in mind i believe that i can i can always meet these goals that i'm looking for so when you're faced with a decision with two paths before you as happens many yeah. times in your life when you're evaluating them you you think oh. to yourself you know which one is more challenging for me at a personal level that i may grow yeah. from and you and and that has a big influence on where you where you end up i'm that so my wife hates it when i say that but it's just like that um i believe that <laughs> i take i take the road that fucks me up the least i know that i will fail um, if I if I go by that, because most of these things that I've done that have uh, have inspired me to do what I do were in spite. Someone yeah. told me I can't do it, and spite is just the best motivator out there. <laughs> You're one if of those I'm, people. <laughs> I can if I can just shove it into someone's face and be like, "See, it worked." Or even if not, then yeah, I, I will just I will just I don't know, like I will run laughing into the chainsaw if it works. I I don't care. Okay. Makes sense. I think that's, I think, I think there's a lot of integrity behind that. That sounds really great. And it sounds like you're doing what you want to do, which I think is, is so rare. And I love chatting with people in this industry because there's so many of us here <laughs> doing this, <laughs> even if yeah, it is yeah. tough. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Scary, is there anything else you wanted to end on as we're, as we're wrapping up now? No, I think we're good. I'm not good right. with final words or anything. That's okay. perfect. We don't need any. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to chat. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. Cheers. And if you're listening and you want to, you know, check out Spiri's uh, art books or, uh, you know, see what he's up to or whatnot, you can 
go to his uh, link tree, which is Speary Dude, or his uh, website, which is artbooks-news.com. And I'll include both those links in the description of this chat. And thank you so much for listening. That's all for now. Take care. Bye. Music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.